Vineyard Values series and week four on our compassionate ministry part of it. Possibly the last week on compassionate ministry unless I come up with more to say. It's <laughs> 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 the way this works, I don't know. So I, I title this week uh, Compassionate Ministry, The Great Cosmic Balancer. Huh? Is that a nice title? I just thought it up. It doesn't have anything to do with what you're going to hear, but I just thought it was a great title. <laughs> just kidding. So, <laughs> so we got to open with a question. Are, are you living a balanced life? A balanced life. Yeah. So what does that mean, a, a balanced life? <laughs> I eat right, I exercise, take time to rest and relax, have social time, work time, family time, have quiet times and times of exuberant worship. I read books and listen to music to feed my soul. I read the Bible to keep my spirit awake. Do you know that the word of God keeps your spirit awake? Do you know that you can have a slumbering spirit? Your soul can take you through weeks, months, years of religious activity, and your spirit can be sound asleep. Keep the word of God active in your life. It'll keep your spirit awake. I try to stay emotionally healthy. Now, don't cringe at this one. By not becoming codependent to the needs of others. Mm. While at the same time, and this is tricky, at the same time, honoring the Lord Jesus by serving others, right? There's that balancing act, right? I mean, you can dip it either way and make a mess. I travel and interact with other cultures. I feed my curiosity and interest by allowing myself to explore unique and faraway places with a bent toward adventure. I love adventure within safe and life-enhancing parameters. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. I try to live a balanced life by living a full, active, and experiential life. I was thinking last night, you know, a conversation I had with uh, someone who was afraid of dying. And just kind of rehearsing the conversation, I came to the realization that they're really afraid of living. Yeah. I mean, we have no, have no reason to fear death. It's an extension of eternal life, right? We're just crossing over. If you're afraid of dying, it's because you've been afraid of living and you feel, feel like you're, you haven't accomplished it. Yeah. So... But that's just me, and it seems to keep me relatively happy. I'm relatively happy. According to Thomas Merton, an American Catholic writer, mystic, poet, social activist, and student of comparative religion, as well as being a Trappist monk, uh, happiness is not a matter of intensity, but a matter of balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. So balance lends itself to happiness. And I think that's true, don't you? Hmm? 
How many of you have recently started a new diet or exercise regimen in your life? Do you feel better? Feeling better, do you feel happier, right? right? If you bring balance to some area of your life, it's going to increase your sense of well-being, right? Just the way it works. Balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. These elements are key essentials to happiness, and this is not by accident, but by design from the very first day of creation. Genesis 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. First of all, notice the existing conditions. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now, according to John Wesley's explanatory notes, he says this, a chaos was the first matter. It is here called the earth, though the earth properly taken was not made till the third day, because it did most resemble that which was afterwards called earth, a heavy, unwielding mass. It is also called the deep both for its vastness and because the waters, which were afterwards separated from the earth, were now mixed with it. This chaos was without form and void, tohu and bohu in the Hebrew tongue, confusion and emptiness. So those words are rendered, uh, Isaiah 34, 11. It was shapeless and useless. It was without inhabitants, without ornaments, the shadow or rough draft of things to come. Chaotic, confusion, dark, empty, and meaningless. Has your life ever felt that way? Sometimes. Right? These are not the ingredients for happiness, are they? not the ingredient for happiness, satisfaction, or of purpose and vision. Nobody wants to feel shapeless and useless. And this is why the good news of the kingdom of God is so important, so impacting, as we saw last week in Luke 167. He says, because our God's merciful compassion, because of our God's merciful compassion, because of his merciful ministry, right? The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death. God is concerned with bringing order to confusion, to bringing light to darkness. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Here in this one profound divine four-word proclamation, let there be light, God in all of his merciful compassion undoes all of the chaos, 
confusion, and useless emptiness of the great expanse and expels forever the dominance of darkness. Balance, order, rhythm, and harmony all come into play and all at once. God brings balance to creation as the first act of creation by the introduction of the light of life. And please do not miss the fact that this is not the creation of the sun in the sky, but the introduction to all of creation of the son of his love, Jesus, our great cosmic balance. And the motivation for this action is compassionate ministry. The fruit of the action is happiness. God saw the light was good. And again, I turn to John Wesley's explanatory notes. We have here a father account of the first day's work, in which observed, number one, that the first of all visible beings which God created was light, the great beauty and blessing of the universe. Like the firstborn, it doth of all visible beings most resemble its great parent in purity and power, brightness and beneficence. Two, that the light was made by the word of God's power. He said, let there be light. He willed it and it was done. There was light. Such a copy as exactly answered the original idea in the eternal mind, that the light which God willed he approve of. God saw the light, that it was good. It was exactly as he designed it, and it was fit to answer the end for which it was designed. For that God divided the light from darkness, so put them asunder as they could never be joined together. And yet he divided time between them, the day for light and the night for darkness in a constant succession. God has thus divided between light and darkness because he would daily mind us that this is a world of mixture and changes. In heaven, there is perpetual light and no darkness. In hell, utter darkness and no light. But in this world, they are counter, changed, as we pass daily from one to another, that we may learn to expect the like vicissitudes in the providence of God. Five, that God divided them from each other by distinguishing names. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. He gave them the names as the Lord of both. He is the Lord of time, and will be so till and will be so till day and night shall come to an end and the stream of time be swallowed up in the ocean of eternity. Six, that this was the first day's work. The evening and the morning were the first day. The darkness of the evening was before the light of the morning, that it might be set that it might set it off and make it shine the brighter. God's compassionate, merciful ministry is the initiator of cosmic balance. And if you think that is no big deal, I will tell you quite the opposite. It is no small matter that balance was the necessary component for all that followed in creation. And you may remember some of the language used. He balanced out the water from the air. 
and the earth from the seas in order to provide balanced habitats. Land brings forth animals, the seas, the fish, and the air, domain of the birds. There is male and female and fruit after its own kind, everything in balance and harmony with itself and all else that is, including heaven, the domain of the Father. Everything is drawn together in order to maintain God's order up against the chaos that darkness maintains. And the language of the garden continues, and we are not sure for how long it moves in ascending tones from male to female, to bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and on to man and woman, husband and wife, Adam and Eve, the children of God. Balance brings fruitfulness even to God himself. Cool of the day walks in the garden as family, and God's happiness, balanced only by Adam and Eve's innocence, produces the Garden of Eden. And here are a few definitions of Eden. Eden in the Old Testament is called delight. Delight. It's also called the Garden of Eden, the garden in which Adam and Eve were placed at the creation a delightful place, a region, a dwelling, a paradise, a state of great delight, happiness or contentment, bliss. Among almost all nations, there are traditions of the primitive innocence of our race in the Garden of Eden. This was the golden age to which the Greeks looked back. Men then lived a life free from care and without labor and sorrow. Old age was unknown. The body never lost its vigor. Existence was a perpetual feast without a taint of evil. Wow. <laughs> the earth brought forth spontaneously all things that were good in profuse abundance. So what does all this balance and harmony stuff have to do with the value of compassionate ministry? I will admit that in its application, the connection between the two states may be veiled, and that may be intentional in and of itself because discovery and revelation are essential to our spiritual growth. Proverbs 25.2 says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings is to search things out. The glory of kings is to search things out. This is one of those you don't miss the water until the well run dry situations. In other words, when compassionate ministry is removed from a place of value, we begin to lose both balance and harmony, allowing chaos and confusion to begin to exert their influence. Can anyone tell me what the most chaotic period of the 20th century was? That's the 21st century. 20th century. Most chaotic period of time. World War. World War II, right? Why? What were the two most dominating influences of that period of World War II? Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan, right? They wanted to take over the rule of the world. Could we agree that the common element missing from both of these world-dominating powers was compassion? 
and that the lack of compassion allowed brutality, aggression, dominance through force of arms, and even allowed a genocidal mindset toward the Jewish people to become part of normal worldview of whole nations subjugated by the Nazis. Chaos and confusion. The whole world was out of balance, and any sense of harmony or happiness was lost to the expanse of darkness that had swept over humanity. And doesn't history have a way of repeating itself? Locations may differ, the peoples may differ, but the compelling dynamics in the spiritual background remain the same. So today we have terrorism, ISIS, radical jihadists, terrorist groups and organizations that are ruling over or highly influencing national governments and they will just as readily kill, maim, rape, and rob their own people as they will their perceived enemies, and all without mercy or compassion. And it has thrown our world into absolute chaos. Of course, the big story of this week is the terror attack at the gay bar in Orlando, Florida where 50 people were killed and as many wounded by radical Islamic gunmen who hated gays. Here is a quote from an imam at an Orlando mosque regarding the slaughter. Death is the sentence, we know. There's nothing to be embarrassed about this. Death is the sentence. Pretty heavy, huh? What were some of your thoughts? Were they judgmental against the gays? Mm. Sympathetic towards the families who lost loved ones? Angry about another terrorist attack here in the States? Did you grieve the loss of human life? The biased hatred expressed toward a select group of individuals whose lifestyles you may not approve of, but are nonetheless deeply loved by the God you serve. How do you balance that? Are you astounded, as I am, that the incident has so quickly morphed into a series of debatable political issues like gun control, border security, or biased political viewpoints? The human value gets lost in the shuffle because political correctness has taken the place of compassionate ministry in the American public arena of politics and the media. but it cannot accomplish what compassionate ministry can accomplish under the anointing of our merciful, compassionate God. And it never will. Chaos, confusion, and darkness is creeping back into the 21st century. And we are, the church is, in this hour, the most profound hope against this darkness that exists 
We are the divine balance put in, flesh, in place by the Father as light to keep the darkness at bay. Matthew 5.14, Jesus is speaking to us. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what are these good works? Compassionate ministry. This is the radiance of the light of the love of Jesus Christ that emanates from our hearts and lives to dispel darkness, brings hope and reestablishes balance, order, rhythm, and harmony in our time. And if you think this is an overstatement, consider these historical facts. For the first 300 years of the church, she existed within the boundaries and under the dominating rule of the Roman Empire. During that time, Christianity was considered an outlawed religion, and anyone caught being or professing to be a Christian faced trial and most likely death. During this same time period, there were 10 major Caesar-initiated persecution campaigns against the church, with the goal being to eliminate Christianity completely from the Roman Empire. The number of Christian deaths during these campaigns was astronomical. But it was the method used to execute them that made these events so horrendous. A good read for this topic is Fox's Book of Martyrs. The response of the early church to both Roman persecution as well as Roman pagan practices is especially enlightening in light of today's brooding political and social views toward Christianity, our ethics, and our morality. Here are two powerful examples. In Rome, in response to Roman infanticide, that is, the practice of leaving newborn infants naked on an exposed wall in the outskirts of Rome to die if they were deformed, frail, or female if the husband wanted a son, was not protested by the early church. They did not have pro-life marches or rallies to decry the injustice of the acts being perpetrated against these babies. Instead, they would exercise compassionate ministry by going and taking the babies from the wall and saving them from death and placing them with their families or raising them as their own. When the plague, the Black Death, swept through the Roman Empire from 165 to 180 AD, the healthy and wealthy citizens began to flee the cities for the countryside, abandoning the sick and dying to certain death. The church did not proclaim that God's judgment had come against Rome and that they were getting what they deserved for killing Christians, which is a favored public broadcasting system for a lot of Christian ministries. 
Instead, they did compassionate ministry by going into the cities to set up care centers for the sick and dying. The light of the love of Jesus expressed through their compassionate ministry began to change the minds and the hearts of the Roman people away from the pagan gods and toward Jesus Christ. The cosmic balance of compassionate ministry is best expressed by the Apostle James in James 2.12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. This is now our day. Our time to shine, to do compassionate ministry. Let me close with this promise through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 58. Is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Compassionate ministry. If you do that, Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Compassionate ministry. The great cosmic balance. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, it was you who was brooding over the chaos. It was you, O God, who when the Father spoke began to shine with bright eminence, glory, and magnificent light to bring order and form and harmony to all that existed. And now, O God, in these dark days, we, your church, turn our attention once again to the breath of life, to you, Holy Spirit, and we say, would you once again brood over your church, breathe life into us, and cause us to be 
compassionate in our ministry. Father, that we would perceive and understand your ways when the ways of the world become the dominant theme of our day-to-day living, O God, when the news is filled with horrendous stories of terrorism and darkness and and hatred and conflict all around us on all sides, O God, like this swirling mass of chaos. We set our eyes on heaven, O God. We turn our attention to you. And we say, would you once again bring order through your church? Would you reignite us, O God, that we would shine all the brighter? Would you fill our lamps to overflowing with the oil of gladness, Lord, that we might be able to give joy to those who are in sorrow? Would you fill the coffers, O God, of our churches that we would be able to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, O God, that we would have resources abounding so that we could meet the needs of those who are so deprived, O God, so that our light would shine ever brighter, O God, so that your name would be lifted on high that we would be able to bring glory to you, not only in our singing, not only in our words, not only in our prayer, but in our deeds and our actions and in our compassionate ministry, O God, that we would be places of harmony, places of balance, places of order, O God, up against the darkness and chaos, uselessness and emptiness of the life around us, O God. The fullness of Jesus Christ would be known through the church today to the community around us. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you brood once again in your church and move? Move, oh God. Help us to be difference makers. Let our words be words of power and affirmation. Lord, let our actions be freeing to those who are in bondage and shackles, oh God. Lord, let our compassion Fill the bellies and the hearts and the souls of men and women. Help us to be rescuers of those who are perishing, O God. And help us to be expanders of your kingdom. Lord, that the world once again would know the peace of your presence. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Start with us, O God. Look upon us, O God. Are our, our lives in balance as you understand balance, O God? Beyond the diet, beyond the exercise, beyond all that we put our hands to, O God, are our spirits and our souls and our bodies in balance for your purposes? Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. Bring our lives into balance, we pray in Jesus' name.